Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. What's up, D? What's what's crack-a-lacking? Okay. As well, the youth says. I'm just going to give our listeners a little insight into our life. <laughs> yeah. Ladies, gentlemen, I don't know if you're married, if you're cu- coupled up, you may understand where I'm coming from with this. I feel like since I married Dylan, my whole life consists of just waiting around on him before I can go do things. Or, um, or it's always we're oh, trying to record okay. a podcast, so, and it's like twenty or thirty minutes of you setting up your area, yeah, and, and I have to bathroom and getting a drink, and then you got to go do whatever. My and, voice warm ups, and um, yeah. I, I did not know we were opening with a personal attack on me. Well, but yeah, <laughs> <why wouldn't> we? <laughs> yeah, because you have been complaining for about the last thirty, maybe thirty five minutes. Are you not ready? But I am here. <sighs> And um, I think that the way it's worth it. This is not just hey, it's time to record. Sit down. Yeah. This is hey, yes. we're we're trying to leave. We're gonna go to dinner. Forty five minutes later, I'm still waiting, and I'm the chick. Stereotypically, am I not the one that is supposed to take forever? I'm ready in like twenty minutes, and two hours later, you're finally finishing your hair. Yeah, I was I afraid you were gonna do this. I, swear. I was afraid you were gonna. Expand it to the rest of our life because sometimes you do seem to be waiting on me. It's a surprise to me. See, that's the weird part because I don't even know. I'm just like, oh, I'm just kind of lumbering around. And and then you're just like, do you have your phone, your wallet, the keys to get back in the house? Do you I'm have not, your you're stuff? You're like having another child. Do you have to pee? It's like having an adult child. Are you, are you sure you don't have to pee? An adult child with disposable <laughs> yeah. income. Yes. Okay. Who can buy it? Alcohol and cigarettes. cigarettes. Yeah. And go to R-rated movies. Yeah. And bars. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's a, a thing. So, now that I've bitched at my husband, are we ready <laughs> she, she, I think started? I pissed her off so much she wouldn't even tell me what this episode was about. It's true. So, I don't even know. I'm like, going to learn. Don't even with talk it. to me. You're wasting more fucking time. And I was like, we're about to podcast, so I kind of got to talk to you. No. And she's like, fuck you. You're in timeout. Okay. <laughs> we're ready to get started. I am. I think okay. this is going to bring it around. So we're back with a brand new case. Let's take it back to March 30th, 2009. A day shift employee came to the Pizza Plus store in Tazewell County, Virginia. What she found inside was a grisly scene, which led her to call 911. 911 dispatchers directed the caller to vacate the scene and, you know, not to touch anything inside because, of course, it was a crime scene. Right. Don't walk around the blood. Valerie and Harvey Looney, a married couple who would have been celebrating 29 years of marriage on this day, were found brutally murdered. Oh, that's sad as fuck. On their 29th wedding anniversary. Yeah, pretty sad. Valerie, 48, and Harvey, 52, managed the Pizza Plus restaurant. The couple both had endured having their throats slit, and Valerie had been bludgeoned in the head with a fire extinguisher. Valerie had multiple defense wounds. An officer said that Valerie's head was literally almost decapitated from her body. Wow, that's very brutal. Very. Harvey was lying by the back door as though he had tried to escape the scene. So imagine they're in the kitchen of this pizza restaurant. Here's Valerie, just horrifically, you know, beaten, battered, sliced up, almost decapitated. And a few feet from that, like leading out kind of the back door, is her husband. Uh, Yeah, when, when you see someone brutally attacked in that type of manner, way up there on the scale... 
like your instincts kick in. Like, you know, like I have, you know, like fight or flight and all that evolutionary stuff kicks in because you're literally so brutal and fast that you're, you reflexively go into, you know, those thoughts, escape, flight, you know, all that. Well, yeah, definitely. And you should. And then there's survivor's guilt sometimes. Obviously he didn't make it, but then some times people do make it. But they shouldn't even feel, you know, be hard on themselves because that was literally the only thing to do. If you didn't leave, you would be dead too. Investigators on the scene note that a mop had been used to try to clean up the area. A money bag containing the previous night's deposit with cash and checks was missing. Officers also noticed that the fire extinguisher was just caked with blood. So they knew that that had been used as the murder weapon and someone had taken the time to hang it back on the wall. That's weird. Well, this immediately sent a red flag to investigators that the person who committed the crime had some sort of personal knowledge of either these people or this kitchen, this specific restaurant. You know, most random intruders are not going to take the time to hang the extinguisher back after attacking the couple. Right. This almost sounds like someone who's worked there, been it, an employee. Almost hung it up as a habit. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay. A habitu- you know, just yeah, just I have the fire thing. extinguisher I got put back on the rack. Yep. That corporate BS. Valerie and Harvey were described by friends as just this wonderful couple. They were absolutely in love with each other, just belonged together. The pair had truly found life's partner in one another. And that's what all of their friends said about them. Um, they were described as adventurous, kind-hearted, very giving, and an integral part of the community. And it's a pretty small community, so everyone knew them. And, you know, they ran this restaurant for a really long time. This was a pretty popular spot for pizza. A lot of customers would call specifically and say, hey, is Harvey making deliveries today? Right. Oh, okay, well, then I'm going to order because they wanted him to deliver their pizza that, so he could pop by and, like, spend a few minutes talking to them. Right. I mean, he was just, like, a really well-liked guy. Same with his wife. I think sometimes people over overlook the shock to these small communities who don't deal with murder every day or all this horrific crime when it's just totally like they've had a murder, you know, one in 20 years, and it was, like, a straightforward deal. You know, that the entire community is literally shocked. And like, you know, start locking their doors and scared. And I mean, it really impacts these smaller towns sometimes in different ways. And the thing is, with a murder like that, if they don't immediately have a suspect or make an arrest, people live in fear. They're terrified because they don't know if this was random, if this was planned. Is there a murderer in our community? Yeah. Do Are we all in danger? I mean, do we all need to lock our door? You know, that kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, that's a very, uh, very small-town impacts there on horrific murders like this. Harvey and Valerie had been married for 29 years. As I mentioned, the day their bodies were discovered would have been their 29th wedding anniversary. And they had one son, Christopher. Christopher Looney still lived at home with his parents, and he had also been a Pizza Plus employee. Well, DNA was collected at the crime scene along with what would total 175 pieces of evidence from this kitchen crime scene. They were sent over to a lab for testing. However, investigators were not considering how difficult it would be within the confines of a busy kitchen where multiple employees were working because there was so much DNA left behind. And especially in a kitchen setting, you've got people cutting, maybe cutting themselves. 
Oh, yeah. Traces of blood you know, here and there. That's a nightmare. You've got wait staff. You've got kitchen employees. You've got people who come in and make deliveries. You don't know how well it's cleaned every evening, if it's properly I mean, sanitized. So oh, much my God. to clog, you know, yeah. this so you, investigation. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare from a forensics standpoint. It, and it was. The crime scene led officers to estimate the murders had happened sometime between maybe 11 p.m. and 7 a.m., with robbery being a likely motive. However, during the interview process, officers turned their attention to Christopher, the loony's son. He claimed he'd been home alone in the evening, um, or on the evening of the murders. He'd watched some television, then went to bed. And by the time he'd gone to bed, he says his parents hadn't come home yet. Now, it was later than the loonies typically worked, so officers asked Christopher if he thought it was unusual that his parents hadn't come home yet, and he didn't really seem to have any, you know, thoughts on that. Well, the following morning, Christopher says he got ready for work without seeing his parents at home, and when officers asked him, well, you know, didn't you think it was weird that they didn't come home last night, and then they're not here today, he says, well, you know, I'm able to explain that because my dad told me that it was my parents' anniversary and that he was likely going to take my mom someplace special to celebrate. Oh, well, that's reasonable. Right. That's, a, yeah. It's never good to be home alone watching TV by yourself when you need a solid alibi. That's <laughs> true. Well, at some point on the morning of the 30th, Christopher had received a phone call while he was out, you know, uh, working like a different job. And somebody asked him, you know, what had happened at Pizza Plus? Investigators thought it was kind of odd that Looney's only son and an employee of the Pizza Plus had not shown interest in finding out, like, what had happened at the restaurant. Both so my when, parents are killed. Well, so when people are calling him going, hey, man, the cops are over there. There's all, the, you know, all this commotion. What's going on? It never occurs to him to pick up a phone and call Pizza Plus or my parents didn't show drive up, didn't over come there. Home. Yeah. And, you know, not being curious coupled with the fact, as you mentioned, that his parents hadn't come home. I mean, he essentially hadn't seen them the evening before or the morning of. Yeah, so we're going on a full day or so by now, you know. And I say it's atypical of most parents. They sound like just a hardworking, you know, blue-collar people. Well, in most families, especially when they have adult children living in the home, you know, yeah, people have their different schedules and they come and go, but... If your kids didn't see you for like a whole night and a whole morning and they knew you were supposed to be around and you hadn't specifically told them, hey, guys, I'm going to be out. I'm going to be out late. Right. I mean, they would be calling you. Well, you would think most people. Right. And then the fact that people are saying, hey, what's going on at the restaurant? And you're just kind of like, oh, well, whatevs. Oh, Both my parents are kind of missing and some big crime scene appears to be at the restaurant. But yeah, okay. But, yeah, that's very suspicious at that point. Well, it is. And, you know, investigators are definitely taking note that this is somewhat odd. Christopher also mentioned during the initial interview that his parents didn't really have any enemies that he could think of. He didn't have any more information to offer. He didn't know who would have done this, why. He just, he couldn't think of a suspect. Or... Well, you also get people who aren't asking just the cops why. We need to find out, you know, people act a certain way. When their loved ones are killed or, you know, something's happened just totally out of the ordinary, something horrific, 
People want to know. The human beings need to know why or who or any of that stuff. And if you're nonchalant about any of that, you better believe you're going to end up on a suspect list. It doesn't matter who you are. Well, with no evidence really to go by, investigators had to, you know, seek other leads, look around the community. They interviewed nearly 200 witnesses over the course of the investigation. See, and that's when you know, you see some of these other things, you're like, the cops didn't do shit. You know, they did this or that and they handled, but these, that's, that's work. Them cops are putting in work to interview that many people. They're they trying very are. hard. After interviewing nearly 200 witnesses, they just don't have any leads. They don't know where to go from here. The trail goes cold. And after about four months, kind of waiting around, trying to figure out what's going on, waiting on the DNA evidence, hoping that that may be brings some light, you know. Right, all the forensic, because they sent so many pieces to the lab. Well, investigators are tipped off that the Loonies had a really sizable life insurance policy. Christopher was the sole beneficiary of a half-million-dollar policy. (sighs) Ah, yeah, okay. Investigators saw a motive in the murders, obviously. Instantly. They've got the son, his behavior is a little off. And that's the thing, too. You know, not everyone is going to react in the same way. Some people definitely are more emotional. It's Yeah, it's true. Might have more of a reaction, might cry, be hysterical. Someone else might be a bit more stoic. But, you know, you've got to consider that most investigators, these are seasoned professionals. They've done, who've done these interviews time and time over again. Over and over again. They can read body language. They can. They can read expression. I think they're able to differentiate between someone who maybe is more stoic and just, up, but up, you I'm know, sure they've upset. had. I'm sure they've had normal people, like you said, to not react at all and just be like shell shocked and catatonic, if you will. You know, just like oh, you know, and get no reaction. But they know that person's just being a, fa- you know. But yeah, I think you're definitely versus right. Versus someone who just really doesn't give a shit. Crocodile tears, if you will, you yeah. know. When, whenever you try to fake, uh, you know, like crying and stuff, oh, these cops are just waiting for you to try that. Well, when they find out that there's this insurance policy and that Christopher's the now, sole beneficiary, yep. they call him in for a second interview. Now, he's pressed about the insurance policy. You know, they're asking him all sorts of questions. They note that he's showing no emotion. He's just really cold and distant during the interview, continues denying, you know, knowing anything about his parents' murders, just being really aloof. And at one point during the interview, I saw some footage, one of the officers asks Christopher, like, are you always like this? Because you just seem really cold and like you don't care. And he's like, yeah, I'm always like this. And which is possible. This is just who I am. Well, that is possible. It could be some, you know, some odd space on the spectrum or something, you know, just, you know, he could have some kind of strange personality that's reacting very weirdly. When you start getting things like motive, if someone's worth more a dead than a lot, and, and that's kind of starts piling up on these other things that could just be, you know, his personality. Well, it's around this time that some other witnesses come forth with knowledge about Christopher's relationship with his parents. He was described as spoiled, always asking for money from his parents. He was making $13 an hour at Pizza Plus, which in 2009, I mean, that's really nothing to sneeze about. 13 no, bucks. No, it's that's pretty good. Pretty decent money for them. Yeah, some people make making and five, six bucks. Especially in a like, small town right. where your cost of living is probably relatively low. That's pretty good money. 
But friends and even his girlfriends would say that he spent money faster than he could make it and that when bills were due, he'd go to his parents demanding that they give him money. And they're just working their butts off, and too. And guilt-tripping them into like, yeah. well, what do you want, you know, you want my car insurance to get canceled? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know? We all know that guy, right? That girl. <laughs> we probably all know someone like that. Well, Christopher reportedly had very expensive tastes. Uh, being the only son, Harvey felt compelled to spoil him. I mean, he was pretty crazy about his son and couldn't say no. A lot of people said that, you know, Harvey looked at his son like... They were best friends. They were really close. He just adored his only son. Yeah. But the son was very manipulative and knew how to kind of play that. That's unfortunately only what child happens if you spoil. Card. Yeah, if you spoil them the whole time, they end up with that freaking attitude right there, like you owe them something. That's what happens, unfortunately. Though detectives' gut instinct was that money could have been Christopher's motive for the murders, they had no physical evidence. So four years pass. So they got him acting sketchy during all interviews and just cold and distant like he don't care. And then this a half a million dollars in life insurance sitting on the table. Yes. Okay. Members of the community were outraged. As I mentioned, this is a small town and people love this couple. They had a lot of friends. They had a lot of people in the community who wanted justice for these folks. And this was not the kind of town where innocent people were slaughtered. As you mentioned, I mean, this was really unusual to have. Right. And I think what I was reading uh, when I was researching this is that this was a town that had maybe had one or two murders within the last 10 years, but they had been like drug related. Right. They were not just cold, vicious. Slangs. Yes, exactly. When you just kill someone. Finally, detectives decided to take another crack at interviewing Christopher. Four years have passed. They've talked to him twice. That's a long time, and they're still plugging away at this. They have not put his case cold. Well, this time around, the office uh, that was investigating the sheriff's department, they wanted to do some things a little differently. They brought in a cold case homicide interviewer who worked at this school that specializes in interrogation techniques, and solving cold cases. Okay. So they bring in the big guns on this. And well, this interviewer decided he was going to use several techniques to interrogate Christopher. The investigators basically flat out told Christopher, we know you did it. Christopher told investigators he had used the insurance money to buy cars and ATVs. But initially, when they're asking him about how much money do you have left... He was like, oh, well, I've got like half of it left. But they knew that that wasn't the case. They had already spoken to Christopher's girlfriend about the money. And she admitted, like, we don't have any money. We're living basically paycheck to paycheck. So in four years, he blew 500 grand. Right. Wow. Good choices, Christopher. So once they confront him with, like, buddy, we know you're lying to us. Like... Yeah. You can't play this game with us. And I'm a hard-nosed cop here who investigates people for a living. Yeah, we're done with story time. Yeah. Yeah, this is real. So that's when he decided to tell people that he had used that insurance money and he had bought cars, ATVs, just blown through the money. Wasted it on bullshit, basically. Wow. 
His girlfriend also told police, you know, that they were broke. They were basically living hand to mouth. And at the time, she was actually in jail on some, like, driving without a license charge. Okay. And they were like, well, why haven't you taken care of this? And she said, well, I haven't had the money to take. I was supposed to take some classes, and I haven't had the money to take those classes. Okay. And the cops were like, well, yeah, but doesn't Christopher have this huge life insurance policy amount of money? And that's when she says, well, we don't have any money, and we couldn't afford for me to take these classes. Wow. Yeah. So he just blew it, jacked it all off. They end up getting a 29-minute confession from Christopher, who ultimately admitted his involvement in the murders. Christopher claimed he had gone to Pizza Plus around 10.30 or 11 p.m. on the 29th. He needed money. His parents had refused, which then, of course, led to an argument. He says it was an accident when he slid his mother's throat. Yeah, that, yeah, that don't really fall in the accident category. Yeah, just swinging some knife around well, willy-nilly. If you have a knife near your mother's throat, that's the only way the accident could occur. So He then chased his father out of the restaurant, choking him. And that's why the dad was kind of in the rear. Yeah, and doorway. that's how he was able to get both, because they knew him. He went back inside. He grabs the extinguisher, which he used to beat his mother to death. When she wasn't moving, and he knew that she was dead, he went back outside to check on his father. He then, you know, grabs his father, cuts his throat, then he flees the scene. The car that Christopher had been driving, he drove basically over to an ex-girlfriend's house and just left that car at her house. And she had it towed away to a junkyard after a couple of months of it just sitting there. Wow, probably full of damn evidence. He threw out the knife. Because you know that was not a clean scene. Right. Two slit throats and damn near cap decapitated. Well, and he had tried to clean the scene up. And yeah, you know, oh yeah, that's a, oh my God. And bludgeoning? Yeah. With a damn blunt ass damn fire extinguisher? Well, and they said that mom was almost decapitated. Yeah, so he like, basically smashed her head in. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, there was blood evidence everywhere, all over him and that car. He threw out the knife, the gloves, and that bank bag because there was the deposit. So he took the cash out, threw away, you know, what he couldn't basically. Uh, I hate it. this fucking dude. I'm sorry, I do. <laughs> Your own parents. That's just evil. That is damn. I just don't understand. Even if something pops off with your parents and somebody fucks around and gets shot or something, I could like process more than that's brutal. A brutal killing murder. Christopher was charged with capital murder in 2014. He was given a life in prison sentence after taking a plea deal. Other family members say they were never allowed to pay their respects to their loved ones. Harvey's sister. I mean, they were pretty upset because Christopher had the loonies cremated and never told anyone what he did with their remains. So their wow. remains, the whereabouts of the remains are unknown. So that makes it even worse in this particular case. He murders them. Yes. He has full control as the son over all their services and everything and gets 500 grand life insurance and blows it like an idiot that he is. I mean, and he got to do all that. Never That's, has a funeral, never pays proper respect to his the parents. The rest of the family, friends, yeah, everybody, never allows just the whole town probably would have turned out. Is ho basically holding the ashes hostage. Oh, won't tell anyone where they are. What a piece of shit. Right? Seriously. 
like how in, entitled and spoiled. Exactly. I mean, that's this is the most horrible manifestation of that attitude. But that's that's where it comes from. You owe me. I can't wait. I can't do my own thing and take care of myself until you naturally get older and pass away. And then this money's here and I can, you know, you know, improve my life and take care of your stuff with it. And I can't do that. And I he want had it now. two children. He has like two daughters, I believe. And when he got this money, just based on the research that I did and some interviews and that kind of thing, it didn't seem like he had given any of that money to his kids. Wow. He hadn't set up any kind of like trust fund for them, no kind of college savings. Selfish. Just he'd blown the money and really didn't have anything to show for it except some raggedy vehicles and an ATV or two and, yeah. you know, didn't do anything for his kids. It wasn't like, here's some money for orthodontics or, I mean, nothing. All the kids stuff that happens every day. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Selfish person like that. He murdered his parents because they didn't want to give him more money and stuff. And he got, you know, greedy. I'm sure he probably did that for the money. And here's the thing that I want to know. Now, he is in prison. Obviously, I'm not a detective. I don't have eyes on all of the evidence. But this almost seems like the kind of murder that there needed to be more than one person. It does. Some kind of accomplice, at the very least, a distraction, right? Well, I just think about you and I. We're relatively healthy, spry people, you know. Yeah. I got two minutes of glory in me. If someone approached us, had a knife, attacked me, you would be either A to... I can't even talk today, guys. Sorry. You'd be able to, A, overpower that person, possibly. Or attack them. Attack them. I or, would. B, I feel like you could get away. Yeah, I can run like hell, too. And... I yeah, just am like, how like much time? Seconds. Well, if he's attacked the mom, how much time did it, you know, take to go chase after dad? And it wasn't a clean <sighs> attack. It wasn't like you walked up, pop, pop, to you know, from a gun, and then I'm on you. Well, this is a very hands-on. It's a hands-on attack. attack. You know, and that's why yeah. I feel like, was there another person involved? It just seems like High the probability. nature of the attack. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's totally difficult to pull off. It's, you know, it's with very one person, yeah. but it just seems like this is the kind of case where I wonder if there was another person involved. It's not impossible to do that, but it's very, it's very hard to do that and very unlikely for one or the other not to, you know, flee or at least be further away, right? He didn't get that far away from, honestly, we know that type of kitchen. Anybody who's been in a pizza hut or, you know, any of these places knows the type is fairly small. It's not a huge monster area and it has a couple of entrances from the front and one or two you know out to dumpsters and whatnot the back entrance not a big place so yeah once you you saw that going on you know you figure you at least get further away even if they run you down then you know out in the parking lot at least it sounds like he was barely out the door right yeah it seems so like yeah need i someone, don't want a second pair of hands there or how did he or... not get you know fuck up christopher or like attack or hit you know i'm in the kitchen too I could stab you with kitchen stuff, and I mean, you know, wouldn't you go but back on that person? Well, and especially when it's your own son. When it, I don't care who. At that point, you know, once even you with start a knife, stab, I'd be like yeah. doing my running like well, a linebacker move. Yeah, oh, like, just because somebody on their ass. Oh, you're just because <laughs> you're my kid. Once you start stabbing motherfuckers, and you're like you gonna kill me? No, it's on then. <laughs> yeah, it's basic human human shit then, son. Right. That don't matter. I'm gonna f- 
fucking try to kill you. Well, this guy's a douche, and I know that we're really here to report cases, maybe not so much give our no, but all that opinions, together. But let me just say and this: and shit on his kids well, too. Well, I want to oh, know what fuck. kind of chick is going to be with this guy. He's his got girlfriend. Girlfriends, I know, and he sounds like a piece of shit. And I mean, let's just say hypothetically, you inherit a shit ton of money, and we're broke and living like paycheck to paycheck, and can't even afford basic like whatever. My class is to keep me out of jail. Yeah. Yeah. Then which I'm, are probably like twenty bucks a piece or some shit. I'm looking at you, thinking like, what a fucking loser! You just had a shit ton of money, and now you don't have any. Right. At an average wage, half a mil is a, a freaking ten or fifteen years of wages for many people, all right. at once in your hand. You should be able to do something, have more to show at the end of it. A little home, uh, you know, a, a state, you know, a chunk of property, a chunk of property, a, a couple. Of, that's enough to even throw a little investment in there I or mean, something. Come Buy on. a little business. Exactly. Yeah, but he's a piece of shit. Yeah, he is. Period. I almost feel like the life sentence is too good for this guy. It is too good for that fucking guy because now we're paying for this shit bird to eat and all that bullshit every day. Well, he's in Virginia, so maybe not. But but uh, we all, as a citizenry, are paying for it. <laughs> Well, that has been the case of Valerie and Harvey Looney, murdered by their son, Christopher. That's really sad, all the way around. He it just is. armed him, got in close, because he's their fucking son. Yeah, that's, so that's pretty, really scary. Pretty horrible. And then that guy turns around and, and, and shits on his, even shits on his kids when yeah. he gets all that money. Pretty so much. yeah, that was a pretty, pretty bad story. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm glad you let me know what it was about now. I actually have a friend who knew these people and passed along this story. Wow. So okay. thanks, Jamie. 